today we're going to take a look at a passage of scripture in the book of Galatians. Paul writes to the church found in Galatia, and they're having a battle in the church at Galatia. And the battle is this. The battle is how much good work do I need to do versus how much grace should be applied in my life. In other words, is my salvation and my relationship with God how good I am, or is it all about God and his grace? And if it is all about God and his grace, then what's required of me? And I think that's a question that we're even struggling with in today's society, in our culture, and just mankind in general. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we move forward. But starting off, let's read Galatians chapter 1. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. It says, Paul, an apostle, sent not from men, nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, he starts right off with addressing the church. He says, grace and peace to you. Grace, as I said, is the overarching theme of Galatians. It's grace versus work. And Paul, in the end, comes to this conclusion that really it's all about grace. It's nothing that you can do. It's nothing that I can do. It's all about the grace of God. Now, before we go any further, I probably need to clarify <laughs> this term. What is grace? Well, I kind of define it like this. Grace gives you what you don't deserve. Grace gives you what you cannot earn. Grace gives you what you don't deserve. And in the Bible, there's another word called mercy. And mercy withholds what you do deserve. And so when we say that God is a God of grace and mercy, we're saying that God gives us what we don't deserve, but he withholds the things that we do deserve. And so Paul says right out of the gate, we have grace, God giving us what we don't deserve, and we have peace. And when you read through scripture, you'll find even whether it's Galatians, the book of Revelation, or other writings, that grace and peace go together. Where there's grace, there's peace. Where there's peace, grace has come before it. And it's a very important duo, as, we, as we'll find out this morning, that he says we have this grace and we have this peace. But he says it comes from somewhere. It comes from God. It's from God. You see, humanity, we don't think in terms of grace. We think in terms of work and being good enough, right? Like, I have to work harder. I have to put in more hours. I have to be good enough. That it, I have, it, it's performance-based, really. I mean, we have to perform up to a level or we don't get accepted. It, it's like that when you try out for a play. It's like that when you try out for sports. It's like that when you go to a job. We have this pool of candidates and we have to pick the best one who meets our expectations. So, as the human race, we don't naturally think in terms of grace and peace. This is God's idea. This is God's concept. This is a spiritual concept. And here's the beauty of grace. Grace breeds strong relationships. 
Grace says, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. And what's the natural response? Have you ever received a gift? Moms, I'm thinking specifically of you today, right? Have you ever just received a gift from your kid that just sent you over the top? What happens? You get this, aww, kind of feeling, right? And you're like, oh, and you want to hug them. And if they're a teen, they're like, oh, mom, no. And if they're a little kid, they're like, yeah, mommy, oh. And they give you a hug. And so it's the grace, giving you what you don't feel you deserve, but they spent the time to do it. And so God's grace goes towards us, and our response to that grace is, oh my gosh, God, thank you so much. You see, when God looked into humanity and said, I'm going to impart spirituality and relationship into humanity, I'm going to do it through grace, right? When man does something, it's always works-based, it's always performance-based. If man were to create a religion, man would say, you better eat this on this date. You better do this between these dates. You better show up X number of times. You better do this so many times throughout the day. You see, man's relig man creates religion based on performance. God creates relationship based on grace. And so the result is this, that Christianity is what God has done for man while religion is what mankind tries to do for God. And it's, it's not difficult to please God with our works. It's impossible. Let me say that again. It's not difficult to please God with our works. It's impossible. In fact, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. When I have faith, when I take the faith that I've been given, that every person has, every person places their faith in something. Every person places their faith in some ideology. We place our faith in some man. We place our faith in some government. We place our faith somewhere. But when we take our faith and we place it in God's grace, the result is that peace follows, right? Why? Because when I place my faith and my salvation in God's grace, there's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing that I can do to try to be good enough because it's not reliant on what I do. It's not reliant on what I say. It's not reliant on anything within my power. The beauty of salvation and giving our life to Christ is that we lose control of our eternal destiny. We say, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm, I'm putting my faith into your grace, and the result is I let go of things, and I have peace, whatever comes my way, because I know ultimately you're in charge, right? And so think of it like this. Great, or faith plus, your, plus God's grace equals peace. Decrease faith, decrease trust in God's grace equals a decrease or even an absence of peace in our life. Why is that? Well, when I no longer have faith in God's grace, guess what I'm left with? <laughs> I'm left with me, and I'm left with other humanities, or other, other humans, and their works and their abilities. I'm left with my knowledge, my understanding, my intellect, my willpower. And let's be honest, I mean, you and I can only go so far, right? So when we step away from grace... We're left with works. 
Well, that begs a whole other question. And this is what Paul's dealing with in Galatians. When we step away from God's grace through faith, then we have to ask ourselves, well, how much work is good enough? Which works are good enough to put us into right standing with God? Have I put in enough hours? Is, is my work good enough compared to what? Compared to my ability? Well, we know that's not possible. Compared to my neighbor? Well, at least I didn't murder anybody. At what point do we open Pandora's box with our works and go, well, I'm better than that guy, so I need to at least be let in. I hope I'm let in because I'm better than that guy. Right? So what happens? God says, listen, guys, you're not going to have to work. Let me remove all of the gray. Let, re let me remove all of, all of the doubt. All of the, let me remove all of that. Take your faith that every human has and put it in my grace. And you'll have peace. God removes all of that. But he says something else in verse 4. He says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself, you ready for this? It's a small word, you'll look right over it, for our sins. The word for literally means an exchange. It's an exchange. So when you go to the grocery and you're like, man, I've got to have this ice cream and I've got to have this frozen pizza, or maybe, you're, you're, maybe some of you are like, uh, Tyson, no. So you get the fresh vegetables, right? Whatever you get at the grocery, you go to the checkout. And what do you do? You exchange your money, either through a card or cash or check or however you, you exchange money for a product, for a service. Think of it this way. If you go to get a haircut and you're talking to your barber as they're cutting your hair and talking to your beautician and and the person doing your hair has just had knee surgery, and they're like, yeah, I really need to get my yard mowed, but I can't because I have a bum knee because I'm not really supposed to be on it that much, and I'm not supposed to be walking on it. And you, as you're getting your hair cut, think to yourself, I tell you what, I'll exchange this haircut for mowing your yard. And so then your barber or beautician says, okay, and you've just exchanged a haircut for mowing a yard. This is the word for. You've just made an exchange. And so what God invites us to do this, he takes our sin, we take redemption. He takes our unrighteousness, our not in right standing with him. He takes our unrighteousness and we take righteousness being in right standing. He takes our sickness, we take the healing. He takes our poverty, we take his riches. But here's the thing about exchange. Exchange is only good if both parties agree to it. We have to agree to exchange our unrighteousness for his righteousness. We have to agree to exchange our life for his. We have to say, God, I don't want the life I'm living anymore. I know there's more out there. I feel stuck. I feel broken. I feel abandoned. I feel confused. I don't know what's going on. I want to exchange all of that, Lord, for what you have for me. And I exchange it by faith in your grace. That's what God's saying. Now, why? Why? Why would God choose to make that exchange? Because it seems like he has everything to lose and nothing to gain. We have everything, we have everything to gain and nothing to lose. Why would God make that exchange? Well, again, the verse tells us. 
it tells us, it says, for our sins to rescue us. To rescue us. Now let me ask you something. When you choose to rescue someone, when you choose to rescue an animal, when you choose to rescue something, why do you rescue it? You rescue it because it has value. To rescue, actually literally in the Greek it says, so that he might rescue. Some translations say that he may deliver. Now that's interesting. Why doesn't he just do it? Well, it's because of free will. It's because, again, in exchange, both parties have to agree to exchange. Now, you might say, well, how does, what does this look like? It looks like this. If, let's say, mom for Mother's Day wants a new puppy, now, okay, I know many moms are going, no, just give me the flowers. <laughs> and I know some moms are like, yes, more puppies, right? Or more kittens. So what do you do? Why does an animal shelter rescue animals? For the hope that they might be delivered. For the hope that they might be rescued. So what do they say? They say, okay, we're going to create an animal shelter and we're going to bring these puppies and these kittens in and we're going to rescue them. That some of them might be delivered. So what does God do? He goes, I'm going to send my son in hopes that some of humanity might take their will, their free will that I've given them and choose to follow me. That they might choose to accept me. And why do you go and get that puppy? Why do you go and get that kitten? Because you value it. You value that animal. If your house catches fire, heaven forbid, but if your house catches fire, what do you do? You instantly start prioritizing your values and going, is my spouse out? Are my kids out? Are my animals out? Right? If there's still time, maybe you get the fire extinguisher and you can put it out. But you, you immediately begin to assign a priority value level to things. And you say, get them out. You see, if there's no value in something, you don't rescue it. If there's no value, you don't rescue. Why does God value us? Because the Bible says that we are made in his image. We are made in the image and in the likeness of God. And because of that, you are valuable. I am valuable. The Bible says that one day he's coming back to rescue, reclaim the earth. Why? Because the earth was made to be a mirror image of heaven. Therefore, the earth and the, the tangible universe has value because it was designed after the place where God dwells. So it has value. And if nobody's ever told you this, I want you to hear me loud and clear. In God's eyes, you have value. And then look at the next part of this. He says, according to the will of God the Father. He done all of this. He offered grace and peace so you could rest assured. You don't have to worry about stuff. You can take the faith that God's given you 
And you can say, you know what, I'm not putting it in this ideology anymore. I'm not putting it in this government official anymore. I'm not putting it in anything else. I'm going to put it in God. And guess what? Alongside that then comes peace. Now, why does God do that? Because you have value. Well, what's his will in all of this? Well, 2 Peter 3.9 says, He wants everyone to turn from sin and no one to be lost. In fact, 1 John chapter 3, verse 23 says, God wants us to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and to love each other. This is also what Jesus taught us to do. This is what he taught us to do. He wants us to have a relationship with him, but he gives us the opportunity to choose whether or not we're going to take our faith and put it in him, or we're going to put it in some other ideology and struggle with our thoughts and struggle with paradigms and the way we think and constantly struggle and, and, and bang our head up against the wall. Or are we just going to take it and place it in him and just have faith and trust and peace and just move on, right? And it's not a blind faith. It's not a blind faith. I don't, for the sake of time, won't get into it. But there's a logic to it. You see, God's will is for you to turn to him in a deep relationship and not be concerned with how hard you have to work, how good you have to be, but to simply say, God, I trust in you. I exchange my life for your life. And as a result, I want to start doing the things that you would have me to do. Not because I have to do them to be a good person or to be a good citizen or to get into heaven, but simply because I love you. Because when you love someone, you want to work for them. And so what does he do? In his grace, through Jesus' life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection, God takes the first step in the relationship and says, listen, I know you can't get to me, so I will come to you, and I will show you grace. And now the result is, I want you to come to me, but I'm going to leave it up to you with what you want to do. Maybe you're listening this morning, and you've never made the decision to say, God, I'm going to exchange my sorrow for your joy. I'm going to exchange my sadness for your gladness. I'm going to exchange my life for the life of Jesus and what he did for me on the cross and the resurrection. If you've never made that decision willfully on your own to say, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus, you can do that today. And here's what I want to invite you to do. I want to invite you to reach out to me, Tyson at theriverlapel.com or look me up on Facebook and send me a message on Facebook and let me know that you've decided to exchange all of your concerns and worries and woes for him and you want to learn and grow in a relationship with Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to take the faith that you've given every man and to place it into your grace so that as a result, we can have peace. And we don't have to try and work from a standpoint of being good enough. We can simply work as a result of love and relationship with you. Lord, I lift up every person who wants to make that decision. I ask that you would move on their hearts, and I ask that they would reach out to me, and we can begin to talk about what it looks like to have a relationship with Jesus. Heavenly Father, I lift up every mother that's watching this on Mother's Day, and I thank you, Lord, that they're going to take their faith and trust you. No matter what they may be going through, they might be going through a difficult time in their job, they might be going through a diff difficult time in a marriage, they might be going through a difficult time as a single parent, 
or maybe they're just struggling being a mom or a grandmother or a great-grandmother. Lord, I ask that you'd move in their life. Send the Holy Spirit to flood them and to flood their homes. In Jesus' name, amen. Until next week, you guys have an amazing, amazing week, and we love you.